All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 306. Our guy, Boston Ben, joins us to talk Celtics basketball. Pascal Siakam finally gets traded, but to Indiana? Steve Ballmer and the Clippers are building a wall, and Boston Ben has a final thought. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 306. We have been talking about talking about the Boston Celtics. So (laughs) what better way to talk about the Boston Celtics than bring in future part of our family, extended family, friend of the show, our own Boston Ben is here to talk Boston Celtics basketball with us. Ben, what is good? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me on. Long time coming. Really looking forward to talking some Celtics hoops, Knicks hoops, whatever you guys got for me. Uh, looking forward to it. It's not a fake accent either. That is a Boston accent. It is <laughs> it. He is real Boston Celtics fan. So I'm actually stoked on this because we don't talk a lot about East Coast right now. And just to give background uh, for everybody listening, uh, Ben is going to be Drew's future brother-in-law, correct? That's right. And- correct. A lot of turmoil because we got Lakers and then Boston. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot going on here. So, yeah. you know, j- just to dive in really quick, you have a huge game tonight. It's Celtics, Denver Nuggets. Uh, Celtics are holding on to a 20-0 and 0 at home. Denver's coming to, to take that uh, away from you tonight. But, you know, what do you think the chances are, first of all, of the Celtics? Drew and I have been raving about the Celtics. We've been raving about him so much that we don't even want to talk about him because we're so jealous. It's very painful for me. <laughs> it's painful for Drew. It's got to be painful because my Clippers are rolling too right now for Drew. It's not great. It's not great in my world right now. <laughs> but, you know, just to start it off, what, what do you think about this season so far? You got two huge free agents in, in Chris Stapps and Drew. Uh, you guys have been gelling, been cooking this year. Uh, what are your thoughts so far, you know, 40 games into the NBA season? Yeah, man. Uh, I spent some time with Drew over the holidays and yeah, I kind of made his life miserable and I tried not to, but it's, I I said it to him, the Celtics go into every game this year and it feels like they shouldn't lose. And it's every single night. And I, I I haven't felt that way with Tatum and Brown and and every single night, but the moves that trader Brad uh, has made, Uh, for the last eight months have been ridiculous. And it started with the Derek White deal and they traded him, you know, we got him for a bag of chips and a, a future first round and, you know, right into Chris Stops and right into uh, Drew, you know, and it, it, and for Celtics fans, it was really, really difficult because the attachment to Marcus Smart and the attachment to Robert Williams and, and even Malcolm Brogdon for a minute, you know, he really fit into what the Celtics were trying to do maybe not scheme wise, but personality wise and, and, and type of guy he was. So it wasn't easy. But then when you looked at, at the dolls and sense of the situation and, and Drew Holiday has been Marcus Smart um, and Malcolm Brogdon in one and, and how Christoph Porzingis has come in and his ability to spread the floor 
and his ability to open up the offense and allow guys like Tatum and Brown to take it to the hoop how they should have been and get the calls, get, you know, well, Tatum doesn't get the superstar calls he should yet, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but it just opens it up. And, and, and like I said at the beginning, it's every single night you just feel like they shouldn't lose. They just, they, they, they're just better than every other team. And then even tonight, you're going up against the Nuggets. I, it, Celtics have guys to match their guys now and they're deep and they're young. And um, it just feels like now's the time. And uh, it didn't feel like that the last few years, even when they were, you know, in the finals and all that stuff. And it just, you knew they weren't there yet. And now it feels like it's, it's now it's, it's time to win. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you right now because it does seem like they're not squandering these home games, away games, whatever you want to call. Them. I mean, obviously the home record stands out, but they're only they only have nine losses on the season, and we're halfway through it, which is which is terrific. So you know, it doesn't matter if it's home or away. It does feel like they're coming to play every night, and also you know, it's not like there hasn't been injury problems too. Like they've done this while Porzingis was out for a little bit. I think you know Tatum and Brown generally have had a good health record this year, but it you know hasn't always been a hundred percent smooth sailing, and so for them to have some of that and still be able to be as good as they are is super impressive and very difficult for me to handle. And, you know, yeah. Ben, you, you brought it up and I'm just going to double down. We did spend some time over the holidays and this guy's corrupting uh, a Los Angeles family to try and, and become force them to become Boston fans. He, he gifted them all Boston sweaters. Uh, he's just like slowly, but surely, you know, filling in all of these gaps with Boston fandom and it, it's upsetting me a lot. And I don't have much to say <laughs> other than I wish the Lakers were better because then I might have an argument for it. But I do not appreciate it. But I'm glad you're on this podcast. So tell me what you think as far as, you know, expectations for you for this team. You've said that they can go out and, you know, beat every team. We've seen that. And, you know, tonight will be a huge matchup for them because potentially this is who they might match up in a finals matchup with is the Denver Nuggets. And they have a huge player in Jokic that I, I think will be the maybe the hardest thing for the Celtics to solve and Embiid a Jokic kind of a player. So talk to me about your expectations for tonight and then what that might mean maybe down the line. Are you thinking this is a finals run for sure? Like, will you be disappointed with anything less than that? I think I speak for all of Boston when I say it's championship or bust this year. Um, the guys are there. Tatum is a bona fide superstar. You bring in a guy like Chris Stapps, Porzingis, you bring the pieces have been put together. And even the bench, you want to go in on the bench a little bit. Like, you know, I think I texted you early September, maybe. And I was mm -hmm. asking, they picked up like Wenyon Gabriel. And I was like, can he do anything for us? I love him. Then, I love Wenyon. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the kind of guy the Celtics were like, you know, we need another big off the bench. You lose Robert Williams. Al Horford's going to play his role, but you need a big guy to take up space. And they found that in Amaya's Cato, you know, and they got guys now that, you know, uh, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, but uh, Jordan Walsh is going to be a bona fide superstar in a few years, but we'll get there. <laughs> you know, Peyton Pritchard stepping up, you know, Al Horford off the bench. Sam Hauser off the bench, did deep. They got guys that have been there. Um, Joe Missoula has come such a long way since last year, his first year as a head coach. His, 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 his ability to call timeouts, which was obviously a huge <laughs> issue for a minute. Um, his relationships with the players, his relationships with the referees, which I don't always agree with. He always has something to say, but he's comfortable in that role now. And I think he's, he's made that leap 
um, with his comfortability, and he can really uh, move guys around. He's added uh, uh, Sam Cassell on the coaching staff. Uh, Jeffrey's from Duke. They just they're just built to win. That's the it's just the vibe around this team. It's the aura around this team. There's no one else in the NBA. Sorry, Clips. There's no one else in the NBA that's like uh, that dominant presence that we are it this year. Like we are the team that everybody's worried about. Barring injuries, like you said, Tatum hasn't gone down. Brown hasn't gone down. Um, I genuinely think, and Porzingis his ability to manage injuries is going to be a lot different this year because I think the feeling of I need to get back because this team has a chance to win this year right now. They need me to do that. So I think his approach to, you know, the game injuries is going to be a lot different. Um, we're there. We're there. Even when guys are down, you, you, you see this 30 bomb from Jalen Brown, 40 bomb from Jalen Brown, Chris Dobbs, um, Drew, that you just got guys that could put up 30, 35 when another two are down, another one are down, and win those ball games. It's next man up. It's do your job. All those cliche things have, you know, really stuck with the Celtics this year. They 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 have struggled to play a full 48 minutes um, for for the entirety of Jason Tatum's stint in Boston. And now they're finishing games and not only are they finishing games, they're putting teams to bed and they're putting them to bed early. So it's been a, a lot, a lot of fun to watch. It feels like they're finally uh, at that level that, you know, um, they can take on. And I know they're not great, but like those, those Steph Curry's, the LeBron's, those, those guys, he's finally there and everything else has just been built around him so beautifully. Um, it, it, it's championship or bust in my opinion. You know, you brought up a barring injury and whatnot. There's a cool stat here. They're two and one without Tatum, three and zero oh without Brown, eight and two without Chris Stapps, two and one without Drew, but they're one and two without Derek White. And yeah, facts. And, and I think that's something I we we've been I, the reason why I don't want to make our All Star picks yet. I, Drew keeps texting me. I know I keep telling our listeners we're gonna have our picks. We have our picks. I'm so shook on my all-star picks, right? Because Brunson's fucking me up. And then I got Derek White, who, if it was, you know, I, he's fallen off a little bit as far as, oh, he should be an all-star. But when you think about it, the best team in the NBA, Derek White is a huge part of it. And this is such a pop guy. This is such, he's the epitome of a glue guy, right? The guy does everything right. He does nothing wrong. He makes the right decisions. Grown up, like, I, I'm a huge fan of Derek White. But- it's so hard for me to give three all-stars to one team, but do you think Derek White's been playing uh, at an all-star level? Do you think the coaches will give him the nod? Uh, yeah. Like you said, I, I can't see the NBA giving those nods to all those guys, but you, you run down the list. I mean, Jason Tatum, all-star like Jalen Brown probably should be an all-star. Christoph Porzingis argument could be an all-star and Derek White is, is like you said, it's the glue. And and I and I'll go back and, and praise Trader Brad again. I was not a huge fan of Coach uh, Brad Stevens. GM Brad Stevens is one of, if not the best, in the NBA. What he's done to get these guys, like I said, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and yeah. two first-round picks for Derek White. Now to have the foresight to trade a Malcolm Brogdon. I know Malcolm Brogdon had his trouble in Boston. Didn't totally want to be here. Had some injury concern. All those things. But to have the foresight to trade Marcus Smart and trade Malcolm Brogdon and keep Derek White with this group, you know, and bring in Drew, it's unbelievable. 
and, and, and I was sitting, I was sitting with, uh, I was sitting with Drew, you know, for that game when Derek White hit the buzzer beater against Miami last year. And I almost got thrown out of Buffalo Wild Wings, yeah. but it, it, he just, he, he just gets it. And he's got that pop mentality and it fits with the Celtics. And he's just, I, I would love to see him be an all-star almost more than the other guy on the Celtics because what he's done in his role and had the ability and have the ability to succeed and affect the winning attitude and culture night in and night out on and off the court. It is, is so huge um, compared to just his gameplay and his style on the court, everything that he brings, you know, has, has been unbelievable. And especially when you're going to make up for that, for that energy, when you lose it with Marcus Smart, because what he brought defensively and what he brought to the team and the rah-rah and everything else to be able to fill that in on the back end and not just not lose a step, but even push it further forward defensively, offensively, and have that ability to make that three point shot. When Drew and Derek shoot, I, I have such a different feeling than I had when Marcus Smart ever let go of a three ball. So having that feeling, you know, and it's just the trust is so infinite with those guys. It's 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 as a Celtics fan, it's been probably my favorite season to watch ever. Yeah, I think it's always going to be hard to have multiple like multiple guys on your roster be all stars. Like I, I I can't remember the last time a fourth option was a all star other than like the Detroit Pistons. You know, that one year they had all five. And then I think maybe during the Warriors run, they probably had you know, four with KD when he was there, maybe there was a year where all four of those guys made the all-star team, but it's such a rare thing. And I do think the unfortunate part for Derek White is like, if there wasn't a Drew Holiday on the team, his numbers would be elevated to the point where I think he might actually be, you know, right next to Jalen Brunson or right next to, you know, one of these other guys that is probably going to edge him for an all-star nod. And, and, you know, I we're, we're uh, clips has mentioned, I have my all-stars ready. I, I, there is always some tweaking. Already you do. Oh yeah, I mean, look, oh. the 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 top ten at least are definitely locked in. Yes, it's always like that last roster spot. You go, oh shit. Well, should it be this guy? Should it be that guy? For me, unfortunately, Derek White's not going to make the cut. But I think his contributions uh, certainly outweigh the numbers, right? And that's I, that's exactly what we're talking about here with him. But you mentioned Jalen Brown, and this is a guy I'd like to bring up here because lot, you know, this offseason was was a wild one for him. He's the highest paid player in the NBA. He gets this massive contract deal. Uh, and there's always seemed, at least for the last couple seasons, like a weird atmosphere around Jalen Brown. Like, does he actually want to still be in Boston? Does he want to be Tatum's number two, you know, Tatum's Robin in a sense? Or does he want to go to be, you know, the number one option in Toronto, for instance, or something like that? Uh, and, you know, with that all that money, there was a lot of expectations on Jalen Brown. How are you feeling about how he is performing, given the contract? And all that stuff that was out there in the last couple of years, do you think he's earning that money? Uh, my argument with in regards to the Jalen Brown contract is uh, when you win a ring, no matter the money you spend, it's money well spent. So if you win a ring in this contract period for Jalen Brown, everything is worth it. Mm-hmm. He's worth every dollar. I don't care because – when you look at that top four of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis, you go in and 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 you can, you know, put those four names in a hat and pick one out, and they might be. They, there's a good chance they're the leading scorer that night. Mm-hmm. And, and and the ability Jalen Brown ha- has had this season in particular to take over games when Jason Tatum is out 
has been huge. I think he's averaging like 30-something points when Jason Tatum's not on the floor um, or not in the game. Um, he's very, very intelligent. And that's a huge part. And emotionally, on you know, on the court, people, he's very, very intelligent. Um, and I think he sees the big picture here. And I think it was a lot more difficult. You know, he went through the Kyrie period. He went through, you know, when it was just him and Jay. He went. He's gone through a lot of a lot of difficult times with the organ, difficult times with the organization. But like, just not the right situation. You go to the champion. You go to the the, the championship and lose. Um, you get paid all this money, you're expected to be this guy. And I think as good as he is, he needed a Kristaps. He needed a Drew. He needed to be more than just two guys. Um, but I do think he, you know, he's he's gonna earn his contract if they win a ring. That it, it, it's it, it all goes out the window, you know, and 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 that's just kind of how it is in Boston, that's how it is in the NBA, that's how it is in sports. So you win and it's go time and you spend and you're trading, you know, we've traded five first round picks in the last year and a half. You do all these things and you win a, you win a world championship and you're, you're passing the Lakers again. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care about anything. That contract's worth it. The max thing to everything. Throw the, we'll, we'll throw numbers up in the win. Now everything else is everything else is secondary. How's his left hand looking right now? That, that the left hand dribble. Uh, my, I told you earlier in the year, my, my fantasy football or my fantasy basketball team is Jalen Brown's left hand. Um, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better, you know, he, he, he's, I think he's having more fun if I'm being honest, like last night, even, or not last night when they were playing the Spurs the other night, he tried to throw that behind the back pass to Peyton Pritchard. They were up 20, he went behind him and then he threw another crazy pass between the legs and he went and he pointed at the bench. I don't think he was doing that the last few years. Like it was much more serious. Jalen Brown, you know, players associate head of the PA, all this stuff. Like he's, he's been a buttoned up work suit and tie work guy. You know, he steps on, he means business and that allowing him to have some fun this year. He's stepping out of his shell. He's, you know, he's mentoring these young guys that are coming up through the system. He's, he's finally, I think found his uh, level of comfortability. He needs to have, um, his role be successful with this team and, and in the NBA, but he's, he's a stud man. Like it's, you know, again, you keep, you look around the league and you, you think about like, who would you want to be your, your third option, fourth option. And I have Jalen Brown as your fourth <laughs> option. Some nights yeah. is a really co- crazy conversation to have. So, it is. um, you know, money aside, you know, that's, that, that is what it is, but uh, you win. It, it's, it's worth it. And you don't, it's not. And and I know that's kind of a cop out of an answer, um, but twenty and zero at home, I'm saying it, the, the money's worth it right now. You know they're just they they just gelling how they should be, um, and Jalen Brown's a huge part of that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, you know, the money is what it is, right? The the Clippers just extended Kawhi Leonard and gave him fifty million dollars a year, and to some people that was stupid. Uh, but that is just what the NBA is now. And I think this is something that's happened, you know, during the, the, the course of this podcast over the years. We've just had to change, at least I have, my my mental perception of what the dollars are anymore. Because it used to be where $20 million a year was fucking astronomical. And now, like, you got guys that are on min deals, tradable, like, you know, very tradable yeah. contracts at $20, $25, 30000000 million a year. So this is just something that... I think generally speaking, the money has really exponentially grown. And then that will mean that players like Jalen Brown, who is maybe not in the top 
10, maybe not in the top 15 players in the NBA is going to get massive contracts like that. So uh, I do think he's actually performing quite well. And I think the joy that you hit on is important too. Like there does seem like a little bit of joy and, and clips. I'm, I know you might have another question. I'm going to keep going here because Bazooka Joe, who you brought up, uh, Joe Missoula doing a much better job this year. And that's obvious. That's noticeable. And I think his support staff has been huge, but I also think potentially the, the, departure of markets Marcus Smart has helped Joe Mazzulla maybe grab the reins a bit where it was maybe a little bit at times adversarial between him and Marcus Smart where they was like well you know actually this is my team I've been here longer like you know I'm kind of the guy and I saw so many so many clips from last year of Marcus Smart and Al Horford running the huddle and I'm not seeing that as much and, it, and maybe it gives Joe a little bit more confidence to just kind of call his shot and run it his way what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I'll preface it with uh, saying again, like, I'm 28 years old. I was 13 years old for the last Celtics title in 08. Um, those guys, that group, the the Garnett and, you know, Pierce, and they, those, you know, legendary in Boston. But for basketball, I can remember, like, every game, every season. You know, Marcus Smart has been my guy since, you know, since forever. And bought the entirety of Boston has felt that way. Marcus Smart can do no wrong in our eyes. And, and that was to a detriment, you know, because he would take some shots. He would do some things defensively. He would take some risks. He would, you know, even when it probably should have been a charge, he'd get that late block. You know, he would, he would, he would take chances. And I don't think he would always listen to the staff. I think he played um, how he felt he should play. And, and Boston always respected it because it was balls to the wall was 150 percent it was but he just he wasn't good enough to do those things he didn't have a good enough shot or he didn't have a good enough you know off the dribble he 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 just didn't have those things and and the defensive prowess that he brought to the table um i think superseded his you know ability to do everything else and and he really really tried to be that guy and he and i really wish he was able to i really wish he was going to be um, the level of Drew Holiday, the level of Derek White, and he's just not. And and that was very, very difficult for Celtics fans to accept, me, you know, me included. Um, but I, I totally agree. He was the last part of that pre-Tatum era. He was that last piece holding on to something that, you know, came so close but never got over the hump. And once you get that out of the locker room, um, it just changes. And then, you know, like we said, that that mental piece of, Again, Marcus Smart to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's been voted uh, best teammate in the league for like three out of the last five years, four out of the last five years. You add that into the locker room with what he could do on the court. Derek White, you everyone knows in the world, he's the most personable kid in the world. It's just a different kind of attitude. It's always positive. You know, it's always positive. And I think that's rubbed off on Jason. He's complaining a lot less. He was the mopiest guy in the league for the last three years. And I hated it. I hated it. Stop whining. Take it to the hoop. Take your lumps like a man. Get fouled and, and hit your layups. Hit your free throws. <laughs> um, and it's rubbed off on Jalen. And I think Kristaps having Jalen around, you know, even though he's lost Marcus Ma and, and that, that relationship that they've built. So, um, I totally, totally agree. I think, I think Joe Mazzullo's job has gotten a lot easier. I think he's got everybody really bought into what the goal is this year. Uh, everyone's bought into their roles and it's, you know, um, 
it's a beautiful thing. It, it is just like, I almost don't want to add anything. I almost want to leave this team as it is because it's why screw it up. Why screw up that chemistry? You know, um, that's exactly where I was going to go was I was going to say, if you had a trade, an ideal trade and, and Clips and I, I think just did this on the last one for his Clippers squad, which is hit in stride right now, rivaling any team in the NBA, as far as wins and losses in the last 30 games, uh, including the Celtics. But Clips was on the side of like, I don't know what we need to move. Like maybe we move Bones Highland, but maybe, or maybe we move somebody else like, you know, PJ Tucker, like what are these guys doing? But maybe those guys will come in super handy in March or April and you want to rest somebody or there's an ankle roll. How are you feeling about the roster? Is there a, you know, another big man like Jakob Pertl out there for trade from Toronto that you would want? Is there like a Caruso kind of guy that you want to come in off the bench or do you want to just leave it as is? Yeah, listen, I think for a long time I was I was trying to get us another big, um, you know, after after losing Rob and you worry about Kristaps and because when you when you lose Kristaps, you got Al and you had Luke Cornett and that's what it was, the Cornet Hornet. And that was fine. You know, you're giving him minutes. And I think with the emergence of Kata, um, I think he adds a different element than Cornet does. I think you can survive with those four bigs. I'm okay with that. Um, I think you're still some time away. Like I said earlier, the the guy I'm most bullish on in the future is Jordan Walsh. I think he is going to be a key piece to this team in like the next two, three years. He's dominating in Portland. Um, He's already getting roster call-ups. The kid can just shoot. He D's up. He's tough. He fits exactly what we're trying to do in Boston. I think we need a guy like him now. Um, a, a three and D six, 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 seven body. And I'm not even sure we're going to get that. The Celtics have a $6 million TPE. Um, I know the front office is very open to spending whatever they need to spend to get the guys that they want in there right now. Um, you know, Bruce Brown is obviously going to be on the move. He's yeah. a Massachusetts guy. Bring him home. I think the, his, his talent that he brings to the table offsets what Sam Hauser brings to the table. Yeah. Um, but you even talk about the, you know, the Pritchards, the Sam Howard, uh, the Sam Housers, my my Syracuse guy, O'Shea Brissett's been playing really well. Lamar Stevens. Uh, they they just have guys that, you know, on paper, Delano Ben, on paper might not be the the sexiest in the world, but the role that they're being asked to play, and it's very minimal because our, you know, the stars are putting up mm-hmm. big minutes, and that it, it's it's great to see that they're getting the longevity, and and you know we're blowing out some teams, so they're getting some nights off when even they weren't getting nights off. Yeah. Um, I would say a three and D type guy. Um, you know, small forward, you lose Mike Muscala, you lose uh, Danilo, you lose Danilo Gallinari, you know, those type of guys, you know, guys that can come in and just uh, hit your shot when you need to cover, you know, cover a Bobby Portis when he's stepping on the court and and you got to have someone like that out there. So, uh, Danilo might be headed for a buyout. It could be a reunion for Danilo Gallinari. I mean, he might be headed for a buyout in Detroit. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but it it might be a happy way to get Danilo in a Celtics jersey again. I wouldn't hate it, man. We didn't even, yeah, exactly. We didn't even get to see him play a game. You know, he sat on the bench all year and I was really looking, I think he, he would have made a difference. Now you're a year older, you're you're a year slower, you're, you're another injury uh, removed. And, and, you know, um, I I, I hate to say it. I almost want to take a shot on these young guys. You know, I, I like the way O'Shea Brissett plays. I like the way Sam Hauser plays. You just signed Peyton Pritchett to the three-year extension. So, you know, again, knock on wood, God willing, they stay healthy and, and we don't we need to have that conversation moving forward. Um, 
but happy to come back on if someone goes down and then we can really talk uh we can talk potential there well i i also hate that too it's always depending on health right like we could talk all these dreams and but it's always it always comes back to health and you know Drew and I have brought up several times like Boston is scary, but their X factor to me is Chris Stapps, right? Like he's yep. the one that makes all of this fucking terrifying, right? Because without Porzingis, I look at it like, oh, okay, well, the Clippers, we could, we could definitely match up against Boston without Chris Stapps. But you throw Chris Stapps in that equation and you got to bring Zubak all the way out to the three. That is terrifying for me. So health is wealth with this and you know Chris Stapps has a worse track history than Kawhi does as far as being injured so it's pretty close now actually yeah, I mean Kawhi, Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi he milked the last couple of seasons they're, they're neck and neck yeah. <laughs> yeah and Kawhi's also injured a few more guys so there's a whole other other side of that True. um okay. yeah he uh no I totally agree and I've gotten into a couple of fights the last few weeks with Boston fans because I've been on record as saying um Kristaps Porzingis getting injured would be the worst thing to happen in this franchise yeah. uh, right now. I mean, oh, more than Jason Tatum, more than Jalen Brown, more than Drew Holiday. Kristaps Porzingis goes down and he's done for the year. I don't want to say the season's over, but it just got much, much, much more difficult and much more difficult than it would be if any of those other guys go down. The way he's able to spread out the offense and allow, like I said earlier, Jason Tatum just get to the hoop. Jalen Brown, get to the hoop, get fouled. And and, and that driving kick scenario, he's, he's good friends. He's bought in. He's okay with being the three some nights. He's okay with being the number one option other nights. He's just figured it out. And, and you know, again, I'll knock on wood all night. If he, when he does have these little tweaks, you know, he had one a few weeks ago, it genuinely feels like he's taking it. I don't want to say more seriously because it's always serious, but there is that extra push to really figure out your body, really get right. Um, because we have a chance to win now. And, and when he was in New York, when he was in Dallas, when he was in Washington, they never had that chance. So he was getting injured and it was, why am I coming back to play right now and potentially ruining the rest of my career when I know for sure we're not going to sniff a title this year. <laughs> and I think, um, I think, as we get closer to the end of the year, I think you could see uh, a Kristaps Porzingis injury pop up on the map, yeah. uh, and he's down for a couple of weeks, and, and they're just, you know, keeping Biden, him safe. Biden yeah, time, for sure, for sure. yeah, big time, you know. But I couldn't agree more. He is, yeah. he is the difference maker. He is the reason that I really think this is the year, and it's, 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 it's him. It's him. Yeah, and I think tonight's game is going to be really important to kind of illustrate that too, because. Horford should be able to, you know, hold his own as as well as anyone does against Jokic. And you don't need Porzingis to be one-on-one against Jokic. You can have him do the, you know, off-ball rim protection and the doubling. Mm-hmm. So because you got a seven foot three guy running at you to double team, that's that's pretty effective. Um, and of course, obviously on the offensive end, he's he's huge for them. So uh hard to believe it, but Kristaps Porzingis, talk about a 180, man. I mean, just just from going to being a guy that was a joke, essentially. Uh, and the floor of Victor Wenbenyama, where people would be like, yeah, he could be a bust like Porzingis, maybe, uh, to being like now like one of the most intricate pieces of of the best NBA team uh, in, in the league. It's pretty incredible. I think I Tingus think Pingus, true. baby. Tingus <laughs> Pingus. I think that's because if he's a four, if he if he's your fourth option, what a great fourth option to have, right? Sure. A seven three that could spread the floor. If Porzingis is your number one option, a la 
the Wizards, where he had an all-star season last year, uh, you know, it makes it a little tougher. But if he's your fourth option, that's what makes the, that whole team so interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to backtrack a little bit. You you were bringing up, like, uh, you know, the glue guys on the team, not just the starting five, but these other young kids that you like. It's all about bringing in the right personnel, the people that know the roles, right? And Drew and I, on the last show, um, we're talking about a lot about the Golden State Warriors and ha- them possibly having to blow it up. I know how difficult it was to get rid of Marcus Smart. I knew what it was like. Pat Bev was was my Marcus Smart, all right? Like, we freaking Clipper fans love Pat Bev. But if you're telling me, like, would I rather have Russell Westbrook or Pat Bev running the point? Like, you want Russell Westbrook. And it's really difficult to get rid of, rid of those pillars on your team. But at some point, you have to depart with those pillars of your team to bring in a Drew Holiday and to make room for a Chris Stapps Porzingis. That's what you have to do. So I kind of want to, I'm with that, I'm transitioning into like what we had a huge trade this week. Finally, you know, Toronto and, 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 and Masai let's go of OG Ananobi. And finally Pascal Siakam gets a new home in Indiana. And the way I'm seeing it is like, this Indiana is doubling down. They're seeing like, holy shit, Halliburton is that guy. He is that dude. We have him for this small window of time. We need to surround him with whatever, the the best possible team that we can do. Uh, Same shit that Boston Celtics are doing. Like, you know, we got to surround Jalen and and Jason with the right personnel to get this championship. And I I just see Indiana doing the same thing with Pascal. It's going to be very, very interesting. And, you know, with the Eastern conference right now, you know, I just got a blip come up saying DeJounte just posted, um, just posted a cryptic story of him with Miami in the background. And I'm like, okay, I don't care about DeJounte and DeJounte going to Miami. I do care about Pascal joining this really hot Indiana Pacer team. What do you think about that? Especially with the, the, the old rivalry with Indiana and, and Boston as well. Does, does Pascal push the needle for, for you in determining like, if the, 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 the Pacers are going to be a true uh, contender this season? Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. As a Celtics <laughs> fan, I wasn't happy. Um, yeah, the Pacers are one of those teams. They play us very, very tough. Um, you know, and I, I totally agree with you with what you just said. They realize that there is no team that's head and shoulders above everybody else. You know, it, you got to make that run the next couple of years while there aren't any super teams. Um, you know, uh, it's, I thought it was a good move. I thought they gave up a lot. You know, I think three first round picks is difficult to swallow. Um, but you're right. It's, it's win now mode. It's win now mode. And, and if, like you said, Kristaps Porzingis goes down, the rest of the league's wide open. It's wide open, you know? So I, I, I thought it was a really, really good move for them right now. Um, and, uh, do I think that they're, you know, in that conversation of the top four or five best teams in the league. No, I don't think they're there yet. Um, but I do think, well, yeah, I, I don't want to see them in late May. I, I'll put it that way. I, w- I would like to avoid them, you know, if we can in the playoffs because well, they, we they see, play us very tough. We got to see what Spicy P looks like with Halley. Like they got a nice little thing going as it is. But, you know, what I'm trying to say is like, if I'm LaMelo ball, I'm pissed off, right? If I'm Trey young, I'm like pissed off. Why can't my team go all in and bring, you know, bring me somebody else to play with. Like Luca finally just got another player in Kyrie, like breaking the bank to get Kyrie with him. So I, I just like, I like, um, 
ownership and front offices that just, you know, it's, it's like what Drew said in the beginning with paying Kawhi Leonard. We have to pay. Like, what else are we going to do, man? We got to put up the $50 million for him and PG and then try to work everything else out. But if I'm Halliburton, that just shows me like like the, like the Bucks did with, with, with Giannis and Dame, right? Dame wanted or uh, Giannis wanted another superstar with him. They went out and broke the fucking bank to get Dame. Indiana's doing the same thing for Halliburton. I like, I like people being proactive and not just sitting waiting for shit to happen. Uh, Indiana's been sitting on those picks. OKC can just fuck everybody up at one point and be like, all right, all right, we're, we're, we're going to throw five first rounders at somebody and really mess up the game. So I'm, I'm just, I'm stoked that Indiana's making a play. Another small market team bringing in uh, some more star power. I got to yeah. be honest. I was I was very surprised to see Siakam land in Indiana. That was maybe one of the f- five teams I did not expect him to land on. I didn't. I don't love it. I, I really don't. I don't love it that much. And to me, it, it, it's actually going backwards to like a pseudo Sabonis Miles Turner thing that they've already had there, uh, which which gives me trouble because they traded away Sabonis because it wasn't working. But maybe Halliburton is you know, in fact, the guy that could unlock whoever the hell he's playing with. Clearly he can, he can feed the ball anywhere he wants. And uh, he's just going to continue to rack up these assist numbers. So I do think maybe on the um, immediate outset, Pascal can help them play defense uh, because that's something that they just are not good at flat out. And they don't really care about defense because they just want to run and gun. They just want to score, score, score. So uh, I will be watching very closely to see what his involvement is in the offense. And whether or not you know they are keying in on him being the defensive stopper, which is not necessarily the role that he's ever been. He's been a good, adequate defensive player, but never the out and out like defensive stopper. And certainly not in the last few years after their championship run, he wasn't even playing defense a lot of those nights because Toronto's been so shit. So I I was surprised, and I, I agree with Ben's thought too that Indiana didn't have to just give up a little bit here. They gave up a good chunk, so Toronto can feel pretty good about what they received, including Bruce Brown, who. They may or may not decide to keep, and they in Toronto's side may actually have like a fun, you know, outlook for the rest of this year and moving on into the future potentially, if they keep Bruce Brown. You, you know, they can get rid of him too. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I was shocked by it, and to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet. But that's just my conceptualization, and maybe you know, maybe Carlisle was just you know raring to go and and was the driving force behind this move because it does seem very specific. Like you know, they went and got him right. There was no rumors leading up to this it was like boom we're on this we're making the call and pascal i think on his end agreed as well because it, there was obviously an emotional connection between the, the toronto raptors and and you know the personal relationship that he had with uh ujiri going back to the days you know when they were in africa together when he was a small uh child so i do think they helped pascal out and they said look where where do you want to go right because we don't really give a shit for this year it's not going to impact us we just want to make sure we get a haul and so in that sense, it makes, you know, may, may seem like Pascal got what he wanted and that Indiana got what they wanted. But I still go back to the whole thing we talked about on the last podcast where it the Sacramento Kings seems like just a much better fit to me for Pascal. And if I was him and he came out and said that he didn't want to resign with Sacramento, which means assumptively he will resign with Indiana. Uh, and Halliburton aside, like that probably is the biggest draw. But I just, if I was looking at it from Pascal's perspective, the Kings are also super exciting and have maybe a uh, an easier framework to look ahead down the line a little bit more and, and be in contention. 
uh, than Indiana does. I still don't think they're going to finish in the top four, five, six seeds. I, you know, th- they should make the playoffs. Uh, Indiana, but this is not, you don't think will? No, I don't think that. I mean, it's hard to tell because they're they are so up and down. And and maybe, like I said, if Pascal can help them defensively, then then maybe they will. Because right now, what are they in the fourth or fifth seed? I just, mm-hmm. it, I, I, it's hard for me to see them just like rattling off and being any better than they've already were before this trade. Um, yeah, they're the seven seed right now. Um, yeah, they, yeah, but they fit into that, like that Cleveland, that New York yeah. Knicks. That's why it's hard uh, to Miami, say. Miami. And that's, yeah. And I, but I would rather play right now. And this is as like a side. Miami's killed us. I'd rather play Miami in the playoffs, right? <laughs> you know, and, and and I hope that this doesn't clip doesn't come back to bite me in the ass in, in four or five months. I'd rather play Miami right now. I'd rather play Cleveland right now. I don't want to play New York, and I don't want to play Indianapolis in the second round of the playoffs. I'd like to avoid them. I'd like to I have the Bucks deal with them. I'd like to have Philly deal with them. You know, and then figure out it, figure that out when it comes to the you know, comes to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't want to see either of those teams in the first or second round because that's going to be a tough out. Um, those are, those are, those are teams that, that got some guys that'll, uh, that'll go balls to the wall every night and make it very, very difficult on whoever they're playing against. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, Miami's always a tough one, right? Cause they're always so different when it comes time to like be in the playoffs, right? Like they're just so different. Like Jimmy could give a fuck about the regular season. I mean, it's very yeah. obvious. And somehow or another, I think he was an all-star last year. There's no ch- – I hope – dear God, please don't let him be an all-star this year. He has barely done anything for this team. You know, yeah. Jaime Jaquez deserves an all-star more than uh, Jimmy Butler does at this point. But uh, they, they're always so tough to judge because by the time April, May rolls around, they just transform into the heat culture version of themselves. Yeah. But, uh, Eclipse, did you have any, uh, any thoughts about what Toronto goes home with and whether or not you think that they're actually going to – you know, keep what they got or if they're going to keep shipping and try and stack these picks. I think that this is going to be a wash this season. I think it was hard. It was obviously hard enough for Masai to, to part with OG and with uh, Pascal, but it was time. Like you have to do it. You, again, you can't have Van Vliet leaving for nothing. You know what I mean? And the Knicks have been, I think I I read a stat that OG is like plus 173 for the Knicks. Like they are, it's the, it's the best 10 game start for going to a new team than ever. And, you know, with three first round picks, that's cool. This, this free agent pool is not great. Maybe you hold on to those and just wait, you know, cause this, this year's draft isn't going to be great, but next year's draft is going to be fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And maybe you get to be able to get a Cooper flag and start rebuilding. Cause their fan base is insane too, man. Like it had to be, I know some people that are heartbroken. They were heartbroken when Van Vliet left, right? The only guy left is Chris Boucher. And you could tell on his face that that dude wants to get the fuck out of there too. Get me somewhere else than, uh, than up here. So, uh, you know, you, you bring up, you bring up, uh, Sacramento for Pascal and it does, it seems like a much better option, but maybe he wanted to stay in the East, right? He doesn't want that Kawhi smoke in the West. He does, he, he knows oh, yeah. what's, what's coming. Who, how do you, you know, who knows, but um, East is certainly more open, at least for right now. It's certainly more open, you know, that they're top heavy, of course, right? The, the Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, pretty top heavy and, and very difficult to crack into that top three. But the, you know, the rest of the seeds, I, while I don't think that they will finish in four or five, they certainly could because it is that wide open right now in that, in that middle range of the Eastern conference including the Knicks, which I do think we should touch on. Because uh, Ben, you know, while he is from Boston, he resides and works in New York City, just outside uh, New York City, 
in Hoboken. And uh, I know that the Knicks are obviously the number one basketball organization as far as fan bases go. You work with a lot of fans from the Knicks and growing up in the area and you follow the Knicks closely. Uh, I have to feel like this is maybe the culmination of Tibbs culture. Like we've had heat culture in Miami that's been established for a decade or you know two decades. I feel like Tibbs is actually putting down his version of that Tibbs culture. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a huge Tibbs guy. Tibbs, uh, Tibbs went to college, Salem State University, uh, about 15 minutes away from my house. Uh, head coach of Salem State for a few years, uh, obviously on the uh, 08 Celtic staff. Yeah. Uh, huge Tibbs guy. They're just tough, man. The Knicks are just tough, you know, and what he's built out there um, has been awesome to watch. Uh, I, I, I really, I, and again, it kills me as a Boston fan, but I really like the Knicks. Like, I really like the Knicks. And I was surprised by the reaction from Knicks fans uh, regarding the OG trade. I, I thought they were going to have uh, a much tougher time letting go quickly. You know, I knew they were ready to and get RJ. RJ, RJ. Well, I knew they were kind of just like, it was just a bit of a disappointment. And like, it was a tough reminder that with a top three pick, you ended up with RJ and that's what you had to deal with. I think that's the um, hardest part is mostly it's the fact that John and Zion are like these guys. And and that really sucks for RJ because I think outside of that expectation of looking at those other two, he fit, he was good. He was doing better. He was improving. Yeah, I mean, I remember the buzz around that draft in New York and everyone thought the NBA was going to fix it. So Zion came to the Knicks. <laughs> like that was the vibe. Like they are going to, it's, it's, it's Patrick Ewing all over again. Like the Knicks are going to get Zion. He's going to run the city for the next yeah. decade. And in the most Knicks way possible, they ended up with neither of the picks. So yeah, I think RJ was a really bad reminder of what could have been. Um, I loved Quick. I thought Quick brought a level of toughness. I thought, you know, he fit into that system. Um, but I think, you know, after talking to the Knicks guys, it's 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 a setup move for their, you know, next big whatever, whether it's Cat, whether it's Embiid, whether, you know, they're going to make a run at somebody, and it started with, getting rid of RJ, getting rid of quick, cleaning house just a little bit. Um, but they, they were thrilled. They, they were like, OG fits that defensive prowess that we, you know, that we're looking for here. He fits that mentality. He's going to help Julius. He's going to free up Julius um, to play a little bit, you know, more freely on offense. Um, they were, they were, they were thrilled, you know, and I think they're still holding out hope that this was just the first part of, whatever is coming next, you know, they know they're not there. Um, but Hardenstein's playing well. I, I'm a big fan of Mitchell Robinson. You know, he's coming back. Um, oh, is there optimism that he's coming back? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't get a uh, disabled player. Uh, oh, I saw whatever that. for I him. So that. he, that's they're, they're right. saying he's just gonna write it out and speed come back it up and come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't want to play in Madison Square Garden in May. Like, I don't want sure. to do it. The place gets loud every single night. Jalen Brunson is going to have that Thank team you. ready to go. And you never know. You never know if they're going to hit, you know, 45% from the three-point line one night. Like, they just could. They have the ability to go off. And we've lost in that building multiple times the last two, three years. And I've been in the building for some of them. And it's it's a tough atmosphere to play in. It's a tough group to play in. Tibbs is a really good coach like him or hate him you got to give him his props from time to time um the knicks the knicks are a piece away from really being in that conversation indeed 
because it's so wide open, if you get an Embiid or you were to get, yeah. you know, a cat and, and you'd have to give up something to get them, but they're that piece away. And I'm, I'm that big of a believer in Jalen Brunson as well. I think he's, I think he's legit. I think he's going to be on that level of, you know, top tier point guard in the NBA in the very near future. Yeah, um, I think he's an all-star this year. Yeah, he's a stud, man. He's a so shocking. I've never been so wrong about something, and I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? I couldn't believe the money he got in New York. And now, now we look at it; it's only twenty five million dollars a year. I know now. I know the reframing that we talked about. It's like actually they got him on cheap. He's fucking cheap right now. (laughs) But you know what, Uh, Boston Ben, like Drew and I, bringing us this up all the time. We're firm believers in situations. Sometimes when you go, you know to a new team you just end up thriving and you you brought up Tibbs all these guys on the t- team minus maybe Julius Randle but all <laughs> these guys now are turning into Tibbs guys they're buying you have to be a special kind of player to to play for this guy and he he holds players accountable and he his expectations of these guys um are very high you have to buy in and I don't know that maybe I'm just hating on Julius Randle he just looks like a guy that doesn't like to be told what to do and Tibbs is that kind of guy but I've never been so wrong I I didn't think that Brunson was going to be horrible in New York I just couldn't fathom why they gave him so much money and now we're seeing every single night I mean he had 41 8 and 8 the other night and you're like dude nobody's doing this so yes all-star vote from me do would he get your all-star vote Ben yeah, he would. He would. I just think what he brings, like I said, what he brings, he's just he's just my kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just my kind of He's an old school NBA guy. He's tough. He, he'll get in your face. He'll D up. He never complains. He get he keeps his he keeps his boys up, keeps everyone. And I think that's a big part of Julius Randle's success this season, too, is because yeah. Jalen Brunson is able to get in his grill, tell him how it is. It's not coming from tips. It's not coming from the front office. It's not coming from all. This is coming from me. This is coming from your boy. This is coming from your point guard. I need you to do this, this, and this. I'm going to do mine. He's going to do his. You're going to do yours. And that's how it's going to be this year. Not asking you to like Tibbs. I'm not asking you to go to his kid's wedding or anything like that. I'm asking you to buy into the system, buy into what we're building, buy into me as your point guard. We'll figure the rest out. And I genuinely believe that that group of guys this year, you know, on top of all the the physical and mental toughness, they're just playing good basketball. They're playing good basketball. The garden's been rocking. You know, they, they, they just got it figured out. And I think RJ never really fit. You know, and Quick was obviously tough, but what Quentin Grimes has been able to do and what, you know, these guys off the bench have been able to pull off. And I don't know if they hold on to Quentin Grimes the rest of the, you know, the rest of this time. I don't know if they try to make a move uh, and upgrade a little bit again. But, uh, you know, like I said, and I'll keep saying it, I don't want to see the Knicks in the playoffs. Just, you know, I don't think, you know, they're better than the Celtics or anything like that. It's just going to be a dog fight and you got to be ready to get in the trenches every single game. And, and I, you know, it's interesting, too. I think with Brunson and I think generally speaking, we can overlook the work that these guys can do to improve themselves. Because right? we were judging what Jalen Brunson was doing when he was in Dallas. And obviously, Luka dominating the ball there. Jalen could only really shine when Luka was either out for an injury or sitting on the bench in those few, few you know, whatever, 12 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game that that Doncic would, would rest. And so we saw that small sample size and saw some really impressive nights from him in Dallas. And then, of course, you think, all right, well, maybe with more opportunity, he he improves. But I just I can't he he really extended his range. And and that's not something he was not a three point like Mm not on three point shooter when he was at Villanova. He was never that really as he entered the NBA. 
And, and that obviously, you know, opens up your offensive game entirely. When you have to have command respect from the three-point line, especially as a guard with good handle, you can get by players and then really get into his spots where he's really spectacular around that, you know, free throw line area into the key. Uh, and I just think sometimes we can overlook how good these guys are when they start and then how much better they can become when they're in the NBA, right? This is a perfect example of a guy that didn't just settle for being the sixth man or being the seventh, eighth man on a Dallas team and that, and cashing a really nice paycheck, you know, playing for 10 years. This is a guy that said, no, nah, I actually, well, with the help of his dad, maybe, and, and the connections with New York, but, you know, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to actually become an all-star. And it's really awesome to see. All right. So, Ben, I got one question for you here. You've mentioned you're scared of Indiana, somewhat scared of Indiana, somewhat scared of the of the Knicks as a Boston Celtics fans. Who scares you the most when it comes to the Eastern Conference rivals? It must be Philly at this point, I'm assuming, or Milwaukee, of course. Miami's in there. You already said you'd rather play Miami than any of these other teams at this point. So who, who do you think is going to be the biggest challenger? to the Celtics as we finish the back half of the season. Does it have to be in the East? Can it be the West too? I, I want to focus on the East because the West, they don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until you get to the finals. It doesn't yeah. matter until you get to the finals. Right. So that's why you can pick one team from the West if you want Ben. Uh, but <laughs> mostly I, I want to see who, who, cause you got to go through that whole gauntlet of the East before you get to the finals. Yeah. Uh, Clips took some of my Boston swag out of this answer because I was going to say nobody. And then I was going to give you a West. <laughs> I was going to give you a Western conference team. Um, no, I, I, I don't think it's Philly. I think, uh, we own Philly and that's just, I'm going to say it like we, we are so in their heads and, and bead uh, has, has run into Al Horford for the last few years. And now you got to run into Chris Stops and Al Horford. And I don't think that's a nightmare he wants to, you know, deal with, you know, they have Pat Bev, Tyrese Max, he's an all-star. Yeah. Um, you know, they still got a good core. They're doing well. I would definitely still say it's the Bucks though in the East. You know, I, I think um, I think the disparity between us and them is a little bit different this year. And that that's being said, uh, coming off a 40-point loss to them, like, a week ago. Yeah, you that's know, a so throwaway, I, though. You were on a back-to-back. That was a long game the night before. No Big Al. No Al Horford. It doesn't count. doesn't count. The, Gian- <laughs> the Giannis stopper, the Joella stopper, you know, they – Giannis is who he is, and he's going to he's gonna keep you in ball games. You know, they still got Brooke. They still got, you know, Bobby Poe. Uh, Dame is playing, you know, as well as he's going to. He's, you know, all-star. Elite Beasley's averaging like 48% from three this year. All yeah, he's shooting lights out. You know, they, they're all right. They're a good ball club. I think we're deeper. I think the moves they made this summer uh, really eviscerated their bench. Um you know, Pat Connaughton, another Massachusetts guy. Like, they're, they're, they're tough. They are who they are. Chris Middleton, you know, they are who they are. I don't think they're as good as they've been, and I think we're better. So, you know, when you look at the last few years and the success that the Celtics have had against them, and now you take these two rosters and, and kind of compare them again, the Celtics are a better basketball team and more so than they have been the past few years. So um, it's still the Bucks, but uh, – Again, it's it's one of those situations where it's a series the Celtics should win. Seven game series the Celtics should win four. Absolutely, I love it. Um, yeah, and then the West, you know, and I hate I hate admitting this, but I I, I am fearful of the Clippers. Yep. You know, I think the Clippers have the highest ceiling out there. You know, Paul George is playing his nuts off. He's so Kawhi nice. Gonna, he's so he's, nice. Yeah. He's so nice. Yeah, I mean, he's just playing good hoop. They 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 figured it out a little bit. 
You know, they they got guys, they got names. You look at, I mean, if you said seven years ago that Paul George, Kawhi, James Harden, Russell Westbrook are all going to be on the same roster, that's you're going to go seventy whatever and oh, you're going to go eighty two. You're, you're going to not <laughs> like that's that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You have the offense, you have the defense, you have the. It's the best team on the planet seven years ago. So I don't want to take that anything away from them because the respect I have for those guys up top um, and what they've done in their career, I'll, I'll never sleep on them. And if they stay healthy, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be around till the end. Um, it, so it, it's, it's the Bucks, the Clippers, and and I put the Celtics just, just a hair above everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those, those would be the two I'm most fearful of uh, going into the playoffs. Well, I'm sure Clips is very happy to hear that because uh, that's something. Oh, did that you guys want have, to talk about the Clippers? Is that we, something? <laughs> we, no, we have, I think we've said those exact words, some version of those exact words for every single season that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have been on the team. It's like if, if, if yep. they can fucking do it, if they can just be yep. alive and healthy, <laughs> everyone will be eventually will be scared, and we just hopefully this is the year. Maybe this is the year, Clips. I mean, at this point, I'm pulling. Just as much for the Clippers because my Lakers are just dog shit, and they, you know it is what it is. Um, but I mean, do you see anyone else coming out? Like, I mean, Minnesota is playing good hoop. Yeah. You know, OKC is playing good hoop. You know, but I look back at that Celtics team that made a run against the Warriors. Like, they feel too young. They feel like their superstars just aren't there yet. Like, it's yeah. it's almost you have to go through that NBA rite of passage where you have to. Yeah, they don't realize the gauntlet of the NBA playoffs. They don't realize what it takes to win 16 games in May and June. Like they just don't get it. And, yeah. and I feel like the guys on that Clippers team get it. They've been there. They've been in the league long enough. They know they know what it takes. So I I, I love Minnesota. I'm a huge Anthony Edwards guy. You know, I, I don't. I think it's going to be very difficult when two of your three best players are bigs. But that's that's a whole other whole other conversation. Um, you know, SGA, what he's doing in OKC. Um, I just don't think, I don't think they have the, uh, you know, I don't think they have the experience to make the kind of run they want to make right now. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I, you know, those, the Clippers, uh, the Nuggets, uh, even Dallas maybe. Um, but it, it, I, I, I tend to go with experience over, you know, record, especially right now. It shows too. You know what I mean? Like I, w- the record for Minnesota and OKC, Clippers and Lakers both beat OKC this week, finally. Yep. Like, we suck against Oklahoma City. We finally got one. But, like, Minnesota's nice and they're fun to watch, but we've seen too much, like, funny shit, you know, at the end of games and stuff like that. And maybe uh, maybe that's why Mike Conley's there to bring, you know, reel in the young guys and whatnot and teach these guys how to finish out games. But I totally agree with what Ben's saying. Um, as nice as OKC is, like playoffs are a totally different beast. And going down to the seven, eight man roster and whatnot, that's going to be difficult. And it was nice to beat OKC, though, Drew, wasn't it? Finally, to get... <laughs> well, I mean, for the Lakers, it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, you kidding me? We we could barely see a, a win on the horizon. We, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't harvest a win if we we lived in a wind farm. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it was. It's so yeah, that was huge for us. And luckily, I think Shea was a little banged up. Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't have the, the the best game. We got Chet in foul trouble early, but that was a huge huge win for us, absolutely. But to to go back to the thought of the of the East, and and maybe we can close it up after this or move on. I am I'm going to be very interested to see interested to see if Philly can pick up like Bruce Brown, or if Philly can pick up 
somebody, you know, some, somebody in that range to really help them out. Um, Bruce Brown, I might be the, the call. Uh, if I was Daryl Morey, I'd be on the phone right now because I do think that they're just maybe that one piece would make them more, much more formidable and scary. Uh, but I, I tend to agree with you as much as I hate to admit it, that it does seem like Boston is the class of the East right now. Everyone's at least a half a half step behind, if not a full couple steps behind. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it stays that way for for you, Ben. Yeah, man, family now. You got to root a little <laughs> bit for the Celtics. No, he a will little do bit. He won't do no, that. No, and I, though, I right. won't root for the Lakers, so it's fine. But just, you know, it's okay. Like, you yeah. can. No, and we have a very – we have a we have, we have have signed a, 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 a treaty, you know, a couple of years ago now that where we, you know, especially in each other's presence, we just won't root for the demise of one another. We don't have to root for Correct. them. Oh, I, I said for because we're talking. Four. I love it. Four. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. I heard that. Uh, heard that. Yeah, that happened there. And then, see, yeah. he's like slowly corrupting me. I, it's happening. I don't even don't know. Let it, like, don't let it happen, Drew. Park the car. He's uh, gonna start saying Marcus Smart was the greatest defensive player of all time. Let me tell you. You know, I, I was gonna actually mention that you were going super soft on the on the Marcus Smart. You were doing very good with your R's uh, when it comes to hiding the Boston accent there. I, I thought you were gonna let it really rip. But uh, anyway, uh, I need people to understand me. <laughs> Anyway, I uh, I think we can move into closing thoughts here. Unless you clips, do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up? No, I think that was great. I think I think we nailed Boston. We don't have to talk about Boston for a few weeks now. We can go back. Well, this is yeah. This to... is the nice part is now I don't have to ever talk about them for like another <laughs> two months because they're just going to be at the top of the East, and then we'll check in with Ben right right before playoffs or something like that. Uh, get we'll get you back on here to to you know get, I don't know essentially crown them Eastern Conference champions. What's up? All right, let's relax. Let's not juju this. Let's not jinx it. All right, let's. We let's are give known it. for jinxing. We are known for jinxing teams and players into horrible things or yeah, really good so, things. Let's relax. Well, okay. can we? Like, let's relax. All right, we're not crowning anybody anything yet. Let's relax. Hey, you're the one that says you ain't scared of nobody. But real quick, I want to end my ball. Uh, you know, we were talking about Derek White for All Star. So I just want to bring this up. Derek White has more all-star votes than Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, Cat, Brandon Ingram, Zion, LaMelo, and DeMar DeRozan. And just to say one more thing, coaches get a vote. There's uh, every single coach in the NBA loves Derek White. So, you, you know, who knows? I just wanted to bring that up. So I, I know you listened to the show, uh, Boston Ben, but we do a final thought. And in my final thought, I always let Drew go first, but I, I want two other, I need you both here for my final thought. So Drew, do you want to start? Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll jump in. This actually is one that, that I think, uh, you know, pertains to you, Ben as well. And my final thought is that the NBA and Netflix just finally announced that they will be releasing a docuseries on Netflix, very similar to the full swing PGA version and F1 that they've done with the car racing and in the same ilk as the quarterback one that just was released with Mahomes and uh, Mariota of all people. <laughs> uh, and who was it? Who was our other Kirk, Kirk cousins, Kirk America's cousins. sweetheart. Uh, so the Netflix is following suit and they're going to be following five NBA players throughout the course of the year. And at least in this one, they pick better players. Thank God. I mean, I, again, I don't know what marketing Mariota's team did to get him on there, but really solid job for Marcus Mariota. Pretty sure he got him the job in Philly this year. But for the, the basketball one, you're going to be following LeBron James. No shocker there. Uh, Jason Tatum, which obviously is going to be interesting. Uh, 
Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, and Domantas Sabonis. They had to get a white guy in there for sure. One white guy in Sacramento. So good for Sabonis for making the cut. I guess he would be the Mariota in this instance, but he's a fucking all-star. He's light years ahead of uh, what Mariota has been able to do as far as a career goes. So anyway, uh, I'm fucking fired up for this. Uh, I am also very nervous. Um, I I, want to hear what Ben has to say about the Tatum side specifically about this too. But as a Lakers fan, we already have a media circus every night and especially now we have LeBron James the last couple of years, you know, anything that happens for the Lakers is always magnified times 10. Uh, and I'm very nervous that this additional camera and this, you know, maybe this, you know, the, the, the last dance version for LeBron James and like what that's going to mean for the Lakers when this all rolls out. Look, I, I don't think it'll affect LeBron's performance but I do think it'll affect everyone else in that fucking locker room. And he's already the goat, right? He's already getting the cameras. So maybe, maybe it doesn't throw people as much as I'm, I'm thinking it's going to. Uh, but while I am very excited for, you know, watching behind the scenes for all five of these guys and all different teams, we've seen what hard knocks does to NFL locker rooms. Right. And we've seen, you know, in at least for, for quarterbacks in the NFL, it's obvious Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in, in the NFL, you know, you, you can say what you want. It makes sense that he would be in a documentary and quarterbacks are always the face of the team. So it makes sense. The cameras would be in their faces. This is very different for the NBA. And I'm not, I'm just not overly excited for the fact that Lakers are going to be taking a part of this. I am excited for the content though. Ben, how do you feel about uh, Tatum specifically when it comes to this? Tatum specifically, I think it's going to be the deuce Tatum show. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's going to like, they don't even care about what Sam Hauser saying in the locker room. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of deuce Tatum. Um, I, you know, I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think, uh, you know, I think if you have a strong enough locker room and the messaging is all staying the same. And I think, you know, with a guy like LeBron, a guy like Tatum, this isn't going to get to their heads. Like, I might worry more about Anthony Edwards because he's young and he's going to get this light. He's going to be on Netflix. And he's this is going to elevate his public um, persona to a different level. He's not nationally, like, regularly known. Like, Kendall knows who my, – my fiancé knows who Jason Tatum is, knows who LeBron is. She might not know who Anthony Edwards is. And I think totally. this will change that. Yeah. Um, so I'm more worried about those guys where, you know, that might get to their head. It, 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 it's – you know, but it's LeBron show. LeBron wanted a show on Netflix. We're gonna give LeBron a show on Netflix. It's it's LeBron. It's the LeBron show. Mostly, I'm you excited know? for the behind the scenes Jimmy Butler. That's all I really. Yeah. I, I mean, it could just yeah. be a Jimmy Butler documentary, and I'm I'm in. I'm all the way in. He, he's the best. He's the best. I I love Jimmy. Michael Jordan's son, Jimmy Butler. He's the best. Yeah. What hairdo he's is he gonna best. have in the documentary? I don't know what hairdo yeah. he's gonna do for it. Different Same one every, every every episode. Yeah, every episode, <laughs> different hairdo. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's a LeBron production with Obama. Obama's involved in it as well. Uh, I think Ben hit the nail on the head. Like, it's going to be Tatum and Deuce show. Tatum's not interesting. He's a hooper. He's a gym rat. Like, the guy's going to go home, be with his son, and go to the gym and hoop. That's what he does. Jimmy's interesting, you know, because he does a lot of other extra stuff. And he tries to be outwardly funny, right? He's going to be funny. LeBron's whole life from the second he wakes up in the morning is interesting. 
you know the Sabonis I think the interesting part is like the, his dad's you know if he's going to be around the the parentals a little bit you know like I think that's really interesting but I don't think Ben should be worried about about what this is going to do to Tatum you know um no, I, I, and I think that the point that I was trying to make is it's not really how it's going to affect the guys in the documentary. They're all deserving. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about the others in in that same locker room. So will Jalen Brown feel some sort of way about ah, this? Mm-hmm. Will Will Drew and Porzingis and the rest of the guys think that Tatum's you know becoming distant or not focusing as much? Like if he's going to have to give you know an hour to interview or you know whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm, I'm I'm not just trying to conjure this up. It just feels like there is going to be instances like that for Tatum, especially Anthony Edwards. I mean, with with Carl Anthony Towns not getting the nod for the document, like, you know, they're just the rest of the guys in the locker room, I think, is is mostly what I'm concerned about. I also think that this is yet another LeBron James chess chess play with this TV deal coming up. Netflix and Amazon are in the, and Apple are all hunting you know, uh, I know they played an NFL game on Peacock where people were pissed off. Like, they have to buy Peacock, right? Yep. I just think this is LeBron James seeing five moves ahead once again. Same with buying a franchise, being a part of the Vegas team. I think he's trying to position himself like, hey, Netflix, if you have LeBron involved with some of this stuff, maybe we should, you, you know, NBA should look at a, a, a $9 billion deal with, with Netflix and see what's up. I just think LeBron's always thinking ahead, right? And again, interesting LeBron and Bronny too. Like Bronny's going to be a part yeah. of LeBron's journey on this documentary too, right? Well, right. And I think there's there's going to be a huge component of LeBron James's entire family. So like Bronny and then you also have Bryce who will be at that point he might be a freshman in college mm. probably at UCLA or USC, right? Like, you know, so yeah, I do I totally think that there's going to be a lot of that too. And I, and again, I am excited for like the content itself. I I love peeking behind the curtain, but uh you know, I'm a Lakers fan first, right? <laughs> and so that's yeah, I don't I could give a shit about how well the documentary does as long as we're, you know, in the postseason. I I'll I'll be happy about it. So, uh anyway, that was my final thought. I'm excited for it. Uh, I thought the all of the Netflix documentaries I've enjoyed thoroughly. Can't wait for the new golf one that's going to be dropping any whatever any week now. Uh, so yeah, fired up for that, and hopefully it doesn't tear down the Laker locker room. Uh, my final thought: I know Ben's got to get. Where are you in Cabo, Ben? Is that where you're at, Boston, Ben? Cancun, baby. Cancun. This, this guy's d- doing a doing a zoom call from the beach in the background. I love it. We're going to get you back to Cancun in a minute, but I want your input, Andrew's input on this. I'm going to tell a quick story from yesterday. So Frank Michael Smith, who's a good friend of mine, he's got a great page, does a bunch of content. You've seen his content everywhere. Frankie is my guy. And so Frankie tags me in one of his latest videos regarding the Intuit Dome and the Clippers have been pushing the Intuit Dome for a while. I am super excited. Clipper Nation is excited. This freaking arena will be the best arena in the world, hands down, when we open uh, next year, next season. So he tags me in a post, and it's him telling uh, telling his take on our wall. The Clippers are huge on this wall that we're building, a 5,000-seat Fans not, only. Explode. Not a Donald Trump. Not a Donald Trump wall. Not that it's wall. Not we're not trying to keep. It, we're not trying to keep room. people out. Standing room only is they're calling it the wall. They should have named it something you, different. I feel like. Do you need me to ask people if they're going to pay for it or? <laughs> no. Ask around. I'm just check. Ask around and yeah. Bombers. Well, the, the bombers the wall, very tricky. 
really fast. The wall, the wall, there's rules for the wall. So fans cannot wear opponent's gear. They cannot cheer for the opposing team. Tickets can be only resold in the Clippers marketplace. Breaking the the rules will result in loss of access, right? And then they have Balmer up there explaining like look if you're if, if if you're not cheering or your decibels aren't right you're out of there right and it just makes me think about the great the, the uh chris rocks movie head of state you remember when he becomes president and all the security <laughs> and then the girl's out of there how are they going to monitor this right like how is balmer and these people are, are they going to i'm scared shitless are they, it's artificial be- intelligence it's it's microsoft yeah, AI. It's the balmer it's, microsoft yeah. i know partnership i know yeah. so I love the idea of the wall. Now, Frank Michael Smith, his video was basically saying this is really pathetic. This is uh, it's 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 a it's a long shot to get fans to go there and cheer. And I'm like, he's like, Clips, I want you to weigh in, right? And I went to war with a, I went to war with a few people on there. But my take was this: not only is this going to be the greatest arena in the world, and we deserve it, and where our own owner once again has gone all in to build the greatest fan experience arena around. This place is going to be fucking legit, right? I'm scared shitless with how they're going to monitor the the wall, right? And the wall is strategically, and not to mention, man, there's a picture, and I'm going to put it up right now in our, in, uh, on our, on this video. It is steep. Have you seen the movie Free Solo, bro? Like you got you do you have to wear repelling gear to get up there? People were that's me why like, it's called the wall. They only gonna have rock climbers available. Dog. That's it. You have to be a rock climber, you have to cheer at a certain decibel level, and you have to be willing to stand for three hours. People kept asking me, yo, clips, are you gonna go to the wall? Hell no, the wall is for young <laughs> folks, bro. I'm not going on the wall, but this is what I was trying to say. Oh, my boy. my my rebuttal to to Frank was that I think this is an awesome way. You also get rewarded. You're going to be able to, you're going to get uh you're going to get money in the the Clipper store, the fan store. Again, I don't know how they're going to distribute or how you're going to get money. What AI is watching you to see if you're you're participating enough or not enough. So I I said this is a really awesome opportunity to reward fans for their enthusiasm and to get them up and and at Clipper games, right? It's better than like your 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 chance of getting a three dollar freaking t shirt, medium t shirt shot at you from from some fandomanium people, right? This is a dedicated wall for Clipper fans to distract. It's going to be home court advantage for us when you're playing us, right? Like I think it's super innovative. I love it, and I see nothing pathetic about it. What do you guys think? Let me hop in here first. Oh, As, hop uh, in, Drew. Ben and I both represent teams that do not have to incentivize their fans. Cool. And I do think there is some truth behind Frank's point about incentivizing natural, normal fan behavior that any true fan would have in that moment. And I hate that. I really don't, really don't like that. And I agree with Frank that, that in that sense, it's weird. But I do understand what Balmer is doing. He is creating a culture. The Clippers have not had their own home court since they were in San Diego, right? Or was it the sports arena? The sports arena? That wasn't, we shared it with everybody. We shared it with the fucking <laughs> ice capades, bro. So, this is my point. I think what Balmer's doing does make some sense. You want to provide, you know, uh, a specific atmosphere to the fan bases you want to cater to the fans that do want that atmosphere right there is fans out there especially you know in in any sport but for the clippers that are fanatical as you would expect they love the clippers just like yourself and that will want to do that they want to go out there and stand and and have that almost 
collegial atmosphere to it. It feels like, you know, the stadiums that you see at Syracuse or at University of Arizona, the, the, the universities that Ben and I attended, where you just have the student section going crazy. And Balmer's also been in Los Angeles where we created LAFC and they have a very similar atmosphere to their version of the wall. I think it's called the 9225 or 5229, whatever the hell it's called. They have a standing section only where you have to be all in all black and you have to like apply to be, be a member of it. And you have to show up to like, there's rules, which I appreciate. The thing I don't appreciate is I think you already had a fan base that would have taken advantage of this. And, you know, for whatever it's worth incentives, uh, for showing up to games or cheering loud, that to me just it really misses the mark of what being a fan is all about. But I understand marketing and I understand you need to get some fucking asses and seats, especially to pay for this massive deal, this massive build in the first couple seasons. So, you know, we'll see how it works and whether or not it actually is like policed. Because, again, I, I it's going to be difficult to be like, oh, you're There's you're. Uh, five decibels low you need to be five decibels high like that's outrageous and ridiculous uh and what what are they supposed to do when the clippers are getting blown out because it's they're still going to have a game where there's going to be one game where you're down by 20 what happens then you have to be cheering the whole fucking time or you get like banned you can't come back so anyway it's just a weird and slippery slope that i didn't think they needed to go into i think the 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 draw for the clippers themselves and the new arena was already enough yeah, I, I think my initial reaction was similar to Andrew's. It, it was, you know, it feels college It feels like Duke. It feels like a student section at a, at a college. That's how it feels to me. Um, I think there's a low floor, but a, a decently high ceiling. It can, it, I could see it getting very corny at some point. I could also yeah. see uh, Bomber using this as just an excuse to test out new artificial facial recognition intelligence. He's going um, to pay the I, bills one way or the other. It's either going to be yeah, that yeah, yeah. partnership with Microsoft or it's going to be fans' asses in the seats. <laughs> I mean, nothing's going to be worse than the mascot. So we'll just like, we'll go past that. But um... you know what? You know what? I'm going to stop you right now. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right now. I agree with you on Chuck, but I'm not letting this shit happen again. The last time I had another dude on the show, when we had three people, I got bullied. So you guys aren't going to bully no, me. Today. No, You're not going to no, talk no, about no, my no. mascot. Boston Ben, you're not going to do that. You can either say you like it or you don't like it. All right, quit taking shots at nah, my boys. Nah, bomber, but I like bomber a lot. I think you're going to have three 20 something year olds sitting in a room just watching three cameras specifically pointed to that crowd, just circling faces. Just this guy's gone, this guy's gone, this lady gets a t shirt, this lady. I, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I think, you know, obviously, uh, the new building is going to be insane. They're trying to add something to it. Um, I think it, what it does is it rewards real fans. I think just MSG is so incredibly difficult to get a, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say a cheap ticket, but an affordable ticket. And I think I, I can imagine that these Clippers games are going to be similar to that, where it's, it's tough to get in the building, get all these yuppies going in and suits and ties sitting in this. And if you can create a, a, uh, a zone specifically for the people that want to be there more than life itself. Yeah, it can get corny, but good for those people because you know what? They might not have been able to afford those seats or what they, that would have been taken by someone's business and they're bringing clients or anything else. This is for who it's supposed to be for. This is for true fans. It's for people that want to be in the building every single night if they can. And those people are getting rewarded. And, and I really like that part of it. It's, it's rewarding the true fans um 
you know, and, and, I, and I'll give credit to Bomber there because I, I, he could be taking, he could be selling these seats for highest value. He could be, you know, putting price tag on everything. And he's not, he, he's trying to give back a little bit. So I do appreciate that aspect. I like that actually. And I, you're right. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like, well, what have the Lakers given me, right? My, my dedication, my 34 years of service. Uh, and, you know, I guess the answer is championships, but yep. outside of that, you know, they have not given me anything, right? Like I haven't received anything from the Lakers except for the love of the game of basketball and some of my heroes. Uh, so it is cool. It would be nice to, to like have the Lakers just be like, Hey, Hey, there you go. Here's a shirt just because you rock with us for 30 years. That's cool. But yeah. look, I, I think the point that I would make is that I think the Clippers already had enough people to fill those stands with exactly what you just said, Ben. And they didn't need to do this weird thing, uh, you know, and... and Why is it weird? You guys thought the in-season tournament was weird too until it's not anymore. It might be really awesome. It's just different. I get where, where Frank is talking. I get what Frank is saying and I get what you guys are saying. I just think more of like... It's different. This whole arena is going to be different. It's going to be a cashless arena. You know, maybe it's going to be like a, a wristband or something that's that's tied to your. I account think it's your face. I'm pretty it, sure they have facial recognition for your facial team. recognition. And yeah. like, how awesome will it be when you, you're going to have the jackasses come in and they're going to make it in there with like their Clipper jersey, and then some some guys gonna be like, watch this, and he's going to rip it off, and it's going to be a uh, an AD Lakers. jersey. And how yeah. how fast are we going to see that guy get yanked from his seat <laughs> and beaten beaten in the back or something? Something like that. I get what you got. I just think I told I told Frank. I, th I said I think pathetic is a way too harsh of a word. All right, like That's let's fair. reframe it. I get it. Maybe it's a stretch. And Ben was totally right, man. There's gonna be nights where we're down 35. Like, how are you going? How are What's we that section gonna look like? <laughs> right. Right. So, anyways, I'm for it. I want to see how it looks. Uh, Boston, Ben, we really appreciate you. Hold taking on. Do you do you have a final thought? Oh, oh. Anything that you want to get off your chest? Oh, I might. I might have a little question that I thought up when we were talking about uh, Emperor LeBron. Um, so, Bronny's Bronny's playing well. Yeah. You know, not not superstar. He'll he'll make it to the NBA in some capacity. I'd have to. Avery Bradley, that's my guy. That's my comp. That's my comp for Bronny. <laughs> you so know, random, Drew. You know, that's great. That is a crazy comp, and I do love Avery Bradley. I do love Avery Bradley. It's the perfect. Comp. Um, <laughs> LeBron is sticking around to play with Bronny. No doubt in my mind. I have my answer for this. What would be, I don't know if the word's obnoxious, funny. What? Where would be the place that would be the most obnoxious or funny for Bronny to get drafted? And then as a result, LeBron has to go play there. <laughs> Can I go first? Go ahead obnoxious would be going back to cleveland for a third time like that oh. that, that would be the most obnoxious yeah. and i love lebron ben you have to i'm a huge lebron guy that yeah. would be obnoxious the yeah. right thing to do is finagle the way to own the vegas team and it's and then he, his last year is Bronny's first year and they're playing in vegas together that that was. I mean, that's, that's what the I dream because then Bryce will come too, right? LeBron right. he'll stick around for another year. Then you'll have all three of them. Uh, you know that that scenario I think unfortunately is pretty realistic. Obnoxious for me would be on the Lakers. I mean, look, I think Bronny will be a decent player, but if we're going to offer him a spot on the Lakers, uh, and that is not a G League position, and he's not performing, right? Like in that instance, I'll give him a trial. Fuck yeah, man. I mean, if the kid's going to play and he's going to play good defense, he can shoot threes. 
every team needs that. So we'll give him a run. But if 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 it becomes like an issue where he's not playing well and he's still on the roster and and it's just really, you know, nepotism for LeBron, I will be very fucking annoyed by that. But funny, I, I, I keep going back and forth in my head what I think would be the funniest location. I think, well, Boston would be interesting. So, I, 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 yeah, I think the right answer for me is Boston. But yeah. here's the catch. <laughs> You draft Bronny and then you don't sign LeBron. You tell him you don't want him. You don't. You don't even give him a contract. You just hold on to Bronny the entire rookie deal. You don't let LeBron come and you just make him retire without ever having doing it. I would. I would love that more than anything else in the world. That would be so fucking funny. I was gonna say like Utah. You know, like a team yeah. that really like, what name a franchise that just like would be full of fans that don't like lebron james i i have to assume utah would be up there in the ranks of teams fan base danny ainge wouldn't danny ainge wouldn't sign lebron for a half a second exactly. danny ainge wouldn't take lebron for a minute so uh, that's a that fun would be one though. Yeah, there's there's a lot of teams i've, I've seen some noise recently about like maybe a, a miami return and all that shit i hope that doesn't Ugh. happen i really hope that doesn't happen either because miami deserves to move on uh from can that, you imagine right. the cleveland the nike marketing campaign oh my god back to cleveland it's we're coming back that's the worst again one. Totally <laughs> that's definitely the worst one cleveland re put up the billboard yeah we believe we believe oh my Bo- god boston ben thank you so much for joining us man we're gonna have we're gonna have you back on you did a great job man we're gonna have you back on when it's clippers boston in the finals we're gonna have to talk yeah. about that uh, we appreciate you, and we're going to be back next week, Drew, with all-star picks. I promise you I will have mine ready. Drew already has his. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're out of here.